It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. We have another very mild day today and actually the, the message coming from it, Aaron, is don't change the wind, don't put the winter duvet on your bed just yet. Mild temperatures are going to be with us for well certainly today, probably into tomorrow as well. There's a mixed bag in store this week but it's these daytime temperatures reaching 19 degrees that are not normal uh, for this time of year and the reason for it is there's this tropical air mass that is hanging over Ireland and it's, it's expected to stay with us today, possibly into tomorrow as well. It means, for example, nighttime temperatures tonight will be between 12 and 15 degrees Celsius, and they're the kind of temperatures we normally get at nighttime during the summer. Now, from tomorrow, there is going to be a bit of a change in the wind direction, and that's going to mean it'll turn cooler with temperatures, more what we expect for October but it'll be tomorrow night uh, before uh, the temperatures start to dip down and they're saying now for example Wednesday night temperatures tomorrow night could be between 4 and 7 degrees Celsius but certainly daytime temperatures at the moment uh, for the next couple of days are certainly above average for this time of year and I suppose all we can be thankful for we're saving on the heating bills. A very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Tuesday's edition of the programme. We've got John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333103. Anything you want to share with us, we would love to hear from you. You can also text or WhatsApp 0862. 103103. 103. We are trying to keep a close an eye on as we can on what's happening at the Cabinet meeting. We know it's underway since nine o'clock this morning and the country, as some of the papers are saying today, back on the knife edge over this Friday's planned full reopening amid, of course, all the worrying rise in COVID cases. The health chiefs uh, have warned the government about the risks of lifting. If they go ahead and lift all of the pandemic restrictions on October 22nd, which is what the government had hoped uh, to do. It would mean nightclubs, hospitality, uh, all back open again. The Neffert giving a very strong warning to the government about uh, that. But then you've got the nightclubs and the hospitality sector now very much in a state of limbo while they're waiting to hear what the government are going to announce uh, today. Now, I don't have an accurate time on it. I'll see if John Paul can get us a more updated for time-wise how the day is going to pan out. I think it's going to be around lunchtime. The government will make some kind of an announcement on what restrictions will remain in place on Friday and what restrictions will be lifted. We know that NEFET, the NEFET team met into the late hours of last night to consider they wanted to give the most update and the best advice they could 
but of course they are particularly concerned about the rise in hospitalisations and Dr Tony Houlihan our Chief Medical Officer he returned from his annual leave yesterday so he chaired the meeting I'm sure there probably was a time where he was sitting there wishing he was still on uh, holidays so that meeting went on until the late hours last night then a letter was sent to the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly after the meeting where Dr Houlihan outlined how the COVID situation had worsened in recent weeks and it's understood that Neffet in that letter outlined future risks on proceeding with the original plan. Uh, The Cabinet meeting as I say this morning discussing that letter and then they now have the decision how they're going to proceed. Uh, We know that that's how it's always been. Neffet give the advice, government take a look at it and the government can say yay or nay. In the early days of the pandemic there was a couple of times that the government went against Neffet's advice and then they had, they sort of regretted going against Neffet's advice. We think what happened last Christmas and really since the beginning of this year I think anything that Neffet have told them to do because of what happened last Christmas I think the government have all was taken very seriously on board what Neffet has said and has I, I can't think of any occasion this year where they actually went against the Neffet advice. So we will wait and see and we'll get more detail as what was in Neffet's letter and just to see how much of it the government are going to take on board. There were still hopes in government last night about the possibility that numbers at indoor and outdoor events could still be increased from uh, Friday, coupled with what the vintners are looking for, which is the longer opening hours for bars and uh, restaurants. Now, yesterday, the Taoiseach Micheál Martin indicated that vaccination certs and mask wearing would certainly remain in force beyond Friday due to concerns uh, over rising cases. And I think initially, I mean, we knew uh, that uh, the wearing of masks was going to be lifted in a lot of cases and we knew that the lifting of the two metre social distancing. We know that that was due to be lifted uh, as well from Friday. I think we can almost take it for sure that the government are going to stick with that. They're not certainly going to lift those restrictions. A lot of talk in the paper this morning about the rapid antigen tests and it now looks set that it is going to become a major part of the government's uh, strategy Uh, and if they put in the antigen test then they will be able to ease some of the pandemic uh, restrictions that Taoiseach himself saying that he is a very strong believer in the antigen uh, in the antigen tests um, because there's Neffet has almost seemed to be against the antigen test so we'll wait and see uh, have, have Neffet in their letter have they made a recommendation about antigen testing I mean only yesterday I mentioned that Dr Luke O'Neill had he's been banging on about antigen testing and how he's also been comparing how other countries have used antigen testing and used antigen testing very successfully and when you look at this country uh, that we have probably the highest level I think in all of Europe we have one of if not the highest levels of vaccinations yet on the flip of that we also have some of the highest rising cases of COVID with lots of people saying none of that is, is making sense and a lot of people point to the fact that we don't use antigen testing and that other countries that are using antigen testing they've managed to keep their COVID numbers down so it's I, I, I welcome the fact that the Taoiseach himself is saying antigen testing is looking like it's going to play a major uh, part. But we've got several industries today who are very much on t- tenderhooks on whether they're going to be able to return to work next week or uh, not. So we have to wait and see. 
what's been decided at this meeting this morning. But we've a rise in hospitalisations and we also have a rise in ICU figures. But we can take it that the COVID certs that were meant to be gone from Friday, don't be ditching your COVID cert. We can very much take that that COVID cert is going to remain in place. And the government is also likely to urge hospitality business to increase compliance with the requirements for COVID certs and to strictly enforce mask wearing and to strictly enforce the social distancing rules. And if you think about it, we've had so many calls in in recent weeks about people saying, I don't know what the uh, the COVID cert's working at all. People saying that they have been in establishments, they've been in bars, they've been in restaurants and that they've seen people walk in and not been asked for the COVID cert. They say they've been in establishments where people are walking around without any masks, which which is the, is not the way the way the restrictions are in place at the moment. People should be wearing masks if they're walking around, and pe- lots of people are saying we need to have more compliance. We need to have more enforcement if we're going to go with. COVID certs, mask wearing and social distancing, then they have to be enforced. And it would tie in with, has there been a slippage in compliance? And is that another reason that we are looking at a rise in uh, COVID uh, cases? So the government is likely to urge the hospitality business that they're going to have to increase the compliance and make sure that they are checking people's COVID certificates, that they are making sure of the two metre social distancing. And when people are walking around or staff members, they also have to make sure that there's mask wearing going on uh, as well. 1850 And in case during that piece you heard a bit of noise in the, uh, the background, <laughs> I was talking away and I could, you know the way you could hear I, he, I could hear some unusual noises and I was thinking, what the hell? I was kind of looking around to see something gone wrong with, with some of the equipment and then I got the life frightened out of me because something appeared in my back window and it was orange and looked quite scary and in, <laughs> there's somebody outside my window cutting down trees. So it's a chainsaw noise that I was actually hearing and the guy obviously is all kitted out in all of his equipment with his visors and all of that on. So apologies if there was some slight background noise there. It's due to due to some shrubbery being removed from my window so that I can finally see daylight. Some of the things that we do know that's coming out, some of the ministers were speaking on the way into the Cabinet meeting. Eamon Ryan, uh, he's great to be, well, he always gets doorstopped by the media on the way in. He's great to say things. He says the vaccine passes will remain until January. January 2022 at least. He was indicating that on his way in. Stephen Donnelly on the way into the meeting said that Neffet essentially said yes to nightclubs reopening but with conditions. The conditions are going to be the use of vaccine uh, passes. Anyone who's fully vaccinated also but is a close contact of a confirmed case is to be sent an antigen test. Again that was according to the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly. John says morning Patricia if they let the nightclubs open it's not going to work you know in your heart and soul nightclub owners are not every nightclub owner is not going to check every single person going through their uh, doors Uh, so you will end up with non-vaccinated people going in I see in my own local a few weeks ago about 35 students partying in a marquee no certs were shown none of them were local I know it's a hard thing to ask uh, but I hope that they don't reopen. Wait a few more months, otherwise we will be in lockdown for uh, Christmas. And someone else says, Trisha, waste of time talking about it because no matter, well, no matter what the government says, people are going to do what they want anyway. And someone 
nonetheless, as people are doing normal stuff, no restrictions, it's a load of rubbish to even have restrictions in place. People are doing their own thing. And is that the reason why our numbers are going up? I wonder. 1850-333-103. And somebody says, morning, Patricia, could you tell me, please, is the LEP Scarecrow Festival on this year? It is. I've been seeing lots of photographs of just amazing uh, scarecrows. I tell you, the people of LEP are fantastic the way they get out and support this uh, local festival. It kicked off, uh, is it today is the, uh, or Sunday, the 17th, yeah, October the 17th. So it runs from last Sunday until next Sunday. So October 17th to October the 31st. And there's prizes now for the best and the most bizarre and lots of people locally getting very, very creative. Actually, if you go on to, they have a very good Facebook page, the LEP Scarecrow Festival. Go on to their Facebook page because they give lots of details. There's a parade, I think, happening. And I think that would probably be on 31st next Sunday. But if you check out their Facebook page. But yes, the LEP Scarecrow Festival is definitely going ahead this week. And we wish everybody good luck with it. John Paul taking your calls, 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. A petition went live last week that is calling on the Taoiseach and the government to give motorists a break, especially around vehicle registration tax, VRT, and the high cost of fuel that we all pay at the pumps. Joining me to discuss the petition is Bob Flavin. Good morning to you, Bob. Morning, Patricia. Now, was it last Tuesday's budget that was the tipping point for you? It seemed to be, yeah. It seemed to be the tipping point for a lot of people once we realised how much extra we're going to have to pay. Particularly when you look back before the budget, over the last 12 months, the price of fuel has gone up by about 25%. And that's before the budget. Now it's gone up again within the budget. And it's due to go up again before Christmas. So if you were putting about €60 euro in your tank to fill it, or even get close to filling this uh, earlier on this year, you're going to be putting in more like €80 euro by the time it comes close to Christmas. So a good prediction is that particularly in petrol, as petrol prices seem to be extraordinarily high at the moment. So the fuel, the budget, and then increases in BRT, and the government decided they were going to take off the grants from PHEVs, congestion charges, carbon taxes, VAT, VRT, NCT, all of these things <laughs> that go on on your car every yeah. single time. And, and like for most people, rural Ireland particularly, anyone just live in a city or around very near a city or on a commuter belt that has a good bus service, which how many of them are, are in Ireland, you really are being nailed to the wall for the amount of charges you've got in your car at this stage. It just seems that motorists are the butt end of it every single time. It's almost like motorists are the, the easy option. Well, they are kind of. I mean, if you imagine back to the to the farm industry, when they wanted to get something done, they drove their tractors up to Dublin and brought it all to a halt. And it worked for them, to some degree anyway, at least. And they said, we're going to go do it again now. But motors, through all the insurance rises, VAT, VRT, everything else has happened over the last few years. They've never really come to a protest, but just seems to be coming to a head this year. And particularly since, since the protest or since the petition has been put up, uh, we've been contacted by the the haulage industries, we've been contacted by the farming industry, so it's, it's bleeding outside of just straight up motors now, now it's going on to big industries because taxi drivers are seen it in the bottom line, you're going to see delivery truck van drivers, truck drivers their costs are increased as well because diesel the price of diesel has gone up 
so everything's increasing for everybody, but the revenue coming in is not increasing. Mm. Yeah, and that, that. The, and that is the good point on the with the fuel rising. The knock-on is uh, nearly every single thing we purchase is, is is already increasing or will increase because of the transportation costs. Yeah, this this is a cost of living increase. This isn't just fuel increase or poor oil motors again. This is a cost of living increase. So everyone is going to feel this, even if you don't have a car. Even if you decide you're going to cycle or take the bus to work every single day, the cost of everything around you rises as soon as fuel rises. That fuel is the governance. It's the mobile, it's the transport, it's everything we do, even going on holidays in an aircraft. Their fuel also rises when fuel taxes rise. So it's, it's, everybody's going to feel this all along the route, but particularly struggling motors right now, who, who I think at this stage, fuel poverty is going to be a big issue this Christmas. Uh, if you can't afford to drive yourself to work, if you're working just to put fuel in your tank, it's going to be a very, very difficult Christmas for you to keep your job. And let's face it, a lot of people are trying desperately to hold on to their jobs at the moment yeah, or get yeah. new jobs. to go further. And if you're living in, you know, West Cork somewhere and you have to go into Cork to go to work, how do you get there without using the car? And okay, the cost of a barrel of oil on the world market, there isn't a lot that the government can do about that. But I think the one that gets everybody, it's the amount of that the government take in taxes every time we put a litre of petrol or diesel into our tanks. Scary amount of money, yeah. About So when you put in 100 euro of uh, fuel, which is pretty much a fill of any diesel tank or any, at the moment, any petrol tank particularly, about 56 euro of that goes to the government. So over half of it goes to the government. About 3.95, I think, goes to the shop. And then the rest goes out, of course, to the, the company who made, who refined the oil, made the oil and do everything else. So the government takes in excess of half of it. That's an excise duty, VAT, all those kind of taxes combined. And that's what they control. And they've put that up in the last budget. So they're taking a tiny bit more now. Um but that tiny bit more is really a controlled thing that you can do. With. The government can control that very easy. The country has to get to work. We have to start doing things to earn money. And without a proper transport infrastructure, without a real deal, we're going to build this, but we're going to build it in 12 months. This is ridiculous. Like putting up everybody into... The idea that everybody's just going to transfer into an electric car overnight is not possible, first of all. There's just not enough electric cars. And they can't make enough of them. And secondly, it's very expensive. Yeah, like, it's yeah, very yeah, yeah. The amount of listeners last week, when, Bob, when we discussed the budget, who said love to drive an electric car, but like simply can't afford it. And then I think to add insult to injury, the carbon tax went up from midnight and there was VAT on top of the carbon tax. Yeah, yeah this, is a, this is a brilliant thing that the government do as well, which is to charge an import duty for cars that are coming in from the UK at 10% and then charge VAT on top of that 10%. They charge VRT, then they charge VAT on top of that VRT. So they, they do this the double taxation system within the government at the moment, particularly on the motors, is absolutely terrifying. Like the amount of money they make from every single car that comes in a VRT. But this year they're selling less cars, so they're making less money. And it doesn't make any sense to put the VRT up because they'll sell less. Yeah, and I was reading during the week, it was a paper that was published by the European uh, Commission, which was giving the green light to all EU countries that they can reduce, temporarily cut household fuel taxes and subsidise firms hit by high energy costs. Because obviously this high energy cost is reflected right across Europe. So the government, even the EU are saying to the government, you can do something about this if, if you want. 
for certain, our, our own local government can take this under control. We are creating a situation where people will not be able to afford to go to work, go to school, or even go outside the front door, or possibly have to choose to heat in their house and drive in their car. Because they're going to need home heat and fuel. We haven't, we're not good little Europeans who've been changing over decades and decades and decades, have better infrastructure, have better uh, rural connections. If you go out, if I was out today to cycle from where I live to uh, the town next to me, I would have to broach a B road that has 40-foot trucks on it and absolutely nowhere to cycle. There is no hard shoulders, no nothing. It's just impossible for us to just suddenly transform ourselves in one budget to make this happen. We need to have a cohesive, slow strategy that brings everybody along with us. If we're going into electric cars, we need proper supply and we need proper pricing. And if we're moving towards anything in a PHEV, they've just taken away the plug-in hybrids, which are semi-affordable. It's just taken away all the grants off them. Mm-hmm. And they've backdated that, taking the grants off them as well. It's, it's gone from anybody who already ordered one as well. So that's €2,500 of an increase in price in PHEVs in one evening. That's getting scary. Like the cars are just not affordable at that kind of thing. So what is your petition asking of the Taoiseach and the government? The most important thing is to roll back on the price increase of fuel in the last budget. That budget just gone. Stop that price increase in fuel because fuel is the thing We cannot transport goods. We cannot get to work. We can't get to school. We can't get where we're going without fuel. And it's everything here. Even our buses up in the city centre, the vast majority of buses run on diesel as well. So everybody's price is going up. Our trains are diesel, but they put the price up on everything. So roll back on that price increase would be the number one. And secondly, then start to look at things like BRT and VAT on cars and safety equipment within cars because cars right now have VRT put on them and their safety equipment missing out to make them more affordable. Things like city safe has gone. Even simple things like look at the price of a helmet for a motorbike. The van rate is 23.5%. That's mm. a luxury, luxury item. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's nuts. It's no sense. just small things that could be changed to make things more affordable. And then we're hearing reports that the Green Party is considering a move. Uh, it's part of climate uh, change agenda. Congestion charges on the way for Ireland's uh, city centres. Again, it's the motorists that are going to be hit. It's again the motorists that they're after. Same thing, they're an easy target because they seem like a big segregated group. It's very easy to blanket because there's two and a half million private cars in Ireland at the moment. So it's very easy to hit two and a half million people with a tax overnight and it's like it's not not a stealth tax but merely a stealth tax not it's not concerned to your wages it's on your car the privilege of having a car when it's absolutely necessary now congestion charges can be a, a bone of contention they've been in the uk for a long time they brought them into paris there for a while as well they were ineffective london traffic is just as bad as it always was it made taxes a little bit cheaper but that's about it so congestion charges is a way of, of stopping people coming into the city and it only works if there's not in Dublin, it might work because it's the Lewis, but the Lewis is packed. I mean, it's generally oversubscribed anyway. So, uh, so congestion charges in somewhere like Cork probably won't work as well. No, it's no. an alternative. There's no tram running right through the city centre, or even it's even Limerick, Galway, any of the other any of the other uh, cities for sure. It's, yeah. it's not. So, your reaction to uh, to the petition, uh, Bob? It's it's really captured people's imagination. Seems to have, yeah. We we only wanted to get a couple of thousand signatures. We got nearly fifteen thousand in forty-eight hours. Um, and it's not that we want to go wild here or do anything crazy. We just want to make it understood that you're not alone in the motors out there. You don't have to be completely alone out there in your 
I don't know, Ford Focus or Nissan Qashqai, whatever you're driving, there's other people out there who feel that struggle with you, that are struggling to try and find reasons to try to fuel them. With the price increase, particularly on petrol and diesel, it seems like extraordinarily biased towards electric cars that we can't get nor afford. It just doesn't work. And there just isn't enough of them out there. And the price is way too high until the second-hand market picks up, which we can't afford either because of Brexit increases, because of import duties. You're still in that same situation. You're just kind of stuck in this limbo and it's just going to tax you again now. So at the moment, the imagination of people has been focused quite heavily now. Of course, we're thinking about Christmas. It's nearly Halloween at this stage. So Christmas is really on people's mind. And the cost of living has increased massively over the last 12 months. So we have to take action somewhere. We have to have our voices heard. We can't just be taxed straight out of the market. OK. And your petition can be signed at change.org? It is at change.org. Or if you find me on social media, find Bob Flavin on any social media, I have a link in the bio of all my social medias directly into that, okay. that uh, petition. Please okay. sign us. We'd love oh. to get to 100,000 signatures. We'll stay in contact with you, Bob. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Brilliant. Thank you very Good much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bob Flavin, one of the organisers of that online petition calling on the Taoiseach and the government to just please give motorists a break. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now last Thursday during our Garda file with Sergeant John Kelly, we highlighted the case of a Connor family who unfortunately fell for a text message scam that led to their bank account being cleared out within hours. Ger O'D joins me to explain more of what happened. Good morning to you, Ger. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Ger, it was your it was your parents that this happened to. Can you just explain to us how it all unfolded? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I suppose just to say, my mum would have actually come on to speak to you, but she's just tied up with doctors. Don't worry, don't worry. Um, but look, I suppose to just give a quick, very quick backstory to it all. Um, a couple of weeks ago, they were due to they were due. Sorry, apologies. They were due to fly out, um, uh, fly out on holidays. So two days beforehand, they both tested uh, positive for COVID, um, and they, they had to obviously lose their holiday and go into isolation. So you can imagine they were um, they were well feeling well down already at that point. Um, then it kind of went on to dealing with COVID itself, and just towards the end of their period of being um, locked down in the house. Uh, my mom received a text message at about two o'clock um, in the day that just came in on the original Bank of Ireland thread of text messages that all her o- official bank stuff comes in on. Um, it had a link. It had something to say with that there was suspicious activity on her account and to click the link and go to her uh, bank in 365. So unfortunately, she did click the link. Um, now, these people are so crafty, I suppose, number one, that it had come in on the official Bank of Ireland thread. And number two, um, the web address looked identical, but where it changed was that in the word online, the L was actually a capital I. Yeah. So that crafty. But that, if that, you that, look that, at that, that quickly, word. that capital I does look like an L. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when do any of us ever go through um, a quick link you know, you know, letter by letter. So, unfortunately, she did click it. It opened up a web page. 
uh, that web page looked identical to um, the official Bank of Ireland um, login page. She did log in um, and couldn't find anything wrong with the account, so I just you know left it at that. And about four hours later, in fairness to the bank, they did pick up on the suspicious activity. Um, they locked down her account, but at that point, um, the people who who did this were able to access her savings transfer her savings to her current account and then transfer it out of her current account. Now, at the time I spoke to the bank on her behalf and if I if I can remember correctly, I think the money was sent to an account in Cyprus. Now, uh, as my mom said, you would think that the bank would have more robust systems in place for dealing with the likes of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as she said herself, she bought something online for 10 euro, it would generally ask her for an authentication um, through her bank. And none of that happened. The money was just easily transferred. It was over 10,000 euros and easily transferred um, out of her account. Um, you see, and what I can't also understand is it gets transferred from one account to another, another account. Can you not track it back to where, the, where it then goes to? Get it back from that account? Yeah, so... So what the bank did, and I spoke to the fraud section in Bank of Ireland, and I can't you know, say enough about the guy I spoke to. He was very, very helpful. Um, he explained how they had caught it quite quickly. So they had caught within four hours. They had locked down the account, and they had already launched, launched an investigation um, where uh, she then had to go to the Gardaí to get um, a pulse number. So that added to the whole stress. But because they were in COVID lockdown, uh, they would... This was on a Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, and it was Saturday before they could actually leave the house. Um, that all added to the stress of the whole I know, thing. I know. But and for my, for my Gardaí, particularly good to help them? For my Gardaí, and I was going to mention that to you, Patricia, they were absolutely fantastic. Um, they called into them uh, when they were out of lockdown, and a guard then called out to them. As my mum said, she cried into his face, but oh. he was absolutely brilliant, um, very empathetic and, and sympathetic to the whole thing. Uh, thankfully, uh, the end result is that the bank were able to roll back the funds. Brilliant. Um, but I think one of the big messages I know my mom would like me to get out there is that obviously, especially for older older people, to really be careful and not click on any links. But just that if it does happen, like she was extremely um, mortified and she was embarrassed and very upset. And I know I'm blaming herself, but it, it can easily happen. And she really wants people to know out there that the help is there from the guards, the help is there from the bank, um, and to act on it immediately and not be embarrassed and to you know contact your family straight away if you think you need help with it. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I mean, I saw a young nurse on the paper yesterday. She's a, she's a cancer nurse from uh, somewhere up the country uh, and she she was about to go to go in on holidays something similar to your, to your parents like that got a link thought it was genuine clicked on it cleared her out left her with 8 euro and unfortunately because she got she clicked on it and allowed them to send the money on she's not entitled to any of her, her money back but it can happen to anyone of all ages or it can happen to anybody at all and, and what the bank actually said as well was that because they caught it so quickly um, they were able to stop it but if it had been a number of days chances are money would have been gone out of the account and into the uh, forwarding account 
Now, I suppose an issue my mother seems to have it at the moment, and she, I think she's right, is that they really didn't give her any help over the phone um, directly Bank of Ireland. She spent, you know, a long time on hold. There was nobody, no branch where she could just walk in to speak to somebody. Um, and I suppose it's even getting worse now, as we know, but the, the latest news where... Another you know, 88 closed another, last Friday week. Bank of Ireland yeah, yeah. I was losing their branch, and it, it seems to be going all remotely, but they don't seem to have a robust system in place to deal with something like this. And has it shake? Um, has it shaken her, Ger? Absolutely shaking her. Um, yeah. When they did go into the bank eventually to meet with somebody, she had a little bit of a, a kind of a weakness in there. Now she may have been just completely overwhelmed by the whole thing. God um, But following on from that, her heart rate has been shooting up sky high. It's pure, most likely stress because of all of this. I suppose you know, in the sequence of events, um, you know, they got tested COVID positive despite being vaccinated, uh, lost their holiday. Um, you know, lockdown at home, and then this this happens. You know, it's it's an awful lot for for anybody or a couple to let see. alone an elderly couple. But look, let the bad luck of the year go with it, and let 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 well let it try to get her to put it all behind her. And I know that's easier said than done. And have they were they very sick with the COVID, or were they were they okay? Um, they, yeah, they were they were tired and and fluey, but I yeah. suppose you know I know vaccinations helped though. The vaccinations definitely helped, and I know there's a lot of talk about it at the moment vaccinations versus not, and people I see and all of that. But I I would say that if they weren't vaccinated, then their symptoms would have been massively uh, worse, worse. You know, um, so no, thankfully, look, they're they're coming out the other side of all of it now. Um, and hopefully it'll, it'll all be okay. You know? Okay, but just a cautionary tale to everyone. Uh, I mean, we're, we're getting to the stage now where you don't click, you certainly don't click on anything and anything you get, for, even if it comes from the bank, I mean, that's the reason that your mother thought it was okay. It was on the thread where she had other genuine messages from the bank. Uh, and you wonder really, do the bank now need to start looking at their side of it to stop it, this it, happening? Yeah. Yeah, they, they should do. I mean, like you know yourself, the likes of even Microsoft and all of this stuff at the moment, um, they're looking like for people to have double authentication for stuff. And surely, like, it shouldn't be that easy to move over 10,000 euro from an account and you know, empty a current account. In a, in a, matter, in a matter of minutes, if somebody's making the point that the bank transactions should have a longer clearing period. The scammers at the moment are having a field today. Oh dear, yeah. And as I said, the, the fraud investigator said it to me, he said if it had been a day or so, there'd be no hope of getting it back. Yeah, yeah. So you'd have to wonder. Um, so yeah, it's, look, it, it's just a, a stack warning for people and especially now coming up to Christmas, People will be doing a lot of online shopping and there probably will be a lot of links flying around for various things. And it's just be so careful before you do anything. It's just not worth the risk. OK, listen, pass on our best wishes uh, to your mum and to your dad. And I'm glad that they were making a full recovery. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme, Ger.
That's great, Patricia. God Thank bless. Take much. care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Jero D. Uh, speaking on behalf of what happened to his uh, parents are in Mill Street. Says Trish, um, the, I had two texts from an 087 number saying, purporting to be from Bank of Ireland, uh, saying my account had had some unusual activities. So the account had been closed and they were asking me to click on the link to reopen the account. I knew it was a scam. How did I know? I don't have an account with Bank of Ireland. So I blocked the number immediately. But I can understand why some people who do have an account with them would start to get worried and would be believe there'd been some unusual activity on their account and might just click on the link then possibly losing money to these unscrupulous scammers uh, thanking you you need to be very careful you do indeed thank you for that that is R in uh, Mill Street Audrey listening to Jar says just to let other people know there's a scam doing the round at the moment it comes from the phone number 081322 it's been doing the rounds yesterday and today people need to be careful of that 1850 John Paul taking your calls we're going to take a break we have news at tw- at 11 on the way. Uh, we'll catch up with your calls and uh, comments. Also in the next hour, speaking with a young Cork woman who shares her story of surviving a brain tumour. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, a number of people reacting uh, to Jer talking about his mum. Bless her heart. I mean, had the heartbreak of not being able to go on holidays because herself and the husband tested positive for, for COVID-19. Then having to do all the isolating at home, getting over all of that and then gets in this, what she thinks is genuinely a text message from the bank. And within a, a matter of hours, her bank account and her savings account completely cleared out. It's shocking, but at least she will eventually get all of the money back. But just it's just to go through all of that, it's just really, really, uh, not nice. Uh, Ross says surely banks are contributing to fraud by forcing us all to do our work online and with the closure of so many bank branches, do banks themselves have to be responsible? Somebody else pointing out Bank of Ireland won't have to worry about people's accounts soon with the amount of bank branches that they are closing. They, we are ending up not even being left with a bank link in town. Uh, John says, Patricia, the banks should be offering more advice to older people about these scams and they should be putting the advice in newspapers. Many older people read newspapers. We need to get the advice out to older people. Jay says, Patricia, if people stopped doing online banking, we wouldn't have to worry about scamming or banks closing. People should go in and use the banks. I'm sick, I'm sick of the banks telling me, oh, you can do that online. I'm not doing it online. I don't trust online banking and I never will. Thanks. I'm a very peed off member of the public, says uh, Jay. And someone else says, I know it's no consolation, but if Bank of Ireland hadn't closed every bank branch within a NASA's roar of me, we'd be able to pop in and tell them personally without having to wait for ages, saying press one for this and press two uh, for uh, that. Yeah, people very, very annoyed about bank branches closing and then people feeling they're at risk because they have to do so much of their banking online. 1850-333-103. Thank you for your thoughts and comments on that. And then we're talking about the general cost of living. And it kind of tied in with what Bob Flavin was talking about with that online petition to try and give motorists a break. But, you know, Bob was making the point because fuel prices are rising so high in this country, uh, which means that the cost of 
transportation is going up. So the knock-on effect is every single thing we purchase that has to be delivered to a store, there's going to be a knock-on effect to the shop and the stores and the supermarkets because they're going to get charged extra for the delivery and the knock-on is it gets passed on to the consumer. So everybody, you know, even if whether you have a car or not, we're all affected by the rise in fuel costs. But there's just this general rise in cost of living. And as Bob says, everything seems to be going up, but people's wages pro rata are not going up. So people are really struggling. And here's an example, really, of somebody struggling at the moment. This is in from Alan. And thank you for sharing this, Alan. This morning, Patricia, we had €350 saved for our home heating oil, planning to get it for this winter. On Sunday morning, our washing machine decided to pack up. So we had a choice to make yesterday. Do we purchase the home heating oil? to keep the house warm this winter or do we buy a new washing machine? We ended up opting to buy a new washing machine. We've got two school-going children. We have to be able to keep their school uniforms clean. We are trying to survive on social welfare, which is impossible. God, that is that is really, really hard, uh, Alan, and heartbreaking because... If you're surviving on social welfare and social welfare, you don't get a lot every week, but to even to be able to be putting the little bit away every week so that you'd have that €350 in order to buy the home heating oil and then for something like that to happen. And of course, that then immediately, the bit of savings that you have for the home heating oil has to go to the wall. And of course, you have to buy a washing machine. How can you survive without a washing machine with children and trying to get clothes washed? Shocking, shocking. And I don't think you're on your own, uh, unfortunately. 1850 We're talking about the lifting of... COVID restrictions and regulations and John Paul tells me there might now be some kind of announcement around 12 midday we're keeping a close eye on uh, that and some people are talking about and I know the government are talking about saying to hospitality if the COVID certs are to remain in place which we expect they are and social distancing to is going to remain in place and the wearing of masks is going to wear in pla- stay in place they're going to say to hospitality you have to make sure that you strictly enforce the regulations that are are already there and the ones that will stay because some people have said, oh, I've been in, you know, a bar or was in a cafe or in a restaurant. Nobody was asked for COVID certificates and there's a belief now is there's a bit of complacency uh, setting in and is that why we have an increase in figures? Well, this system says, Patricia, I work in a bar. It's a bar that serves food and to be fair, we are very, very strict on the COVID certificates. But 75% of our customers are regulars. So we would have checked their COVID certs when we first reopened and they all came back in. So we don't need to ask them every single day that they return because we we know Johnny and Mary, we know all of the regulars and we know that they have their COVID certificates. But I have to say, I've been questioned twice about this by strangers who come into the bar and then obviously Johnny and Mary come in to have their lunch and a stranger said you never check their COVID cert so this listener said we've got to explain to people so and I did in fairness last week when somebody was given out about being in a bar like a gastro bar and there was a nobody was being checked I did make that very same point because there's a gastro bar that we regularly uh, go to and we, we take Marsha to and uh, when we first went back in there back in July the first thing we did was they asked us to produce our COVID certificates which we duly did and we haven't had to show them since because they know who we are Now we still sign in and do all of that and they have all of our telephone numbers but we still sign whenever whenever we go in so, th- so that is a good point for people who are very quick to judge now that's not to say that others, other establishments are not completely 
I was going to say taking the pee, you know the word, you know what I'm saying, I won't say that in case I offend somebody, and that they're not checking. There will always be establishments like that, but, but, but you would wonder if there is a level of complacency and if some businesses are not checking COVID certs and are not being careful to make sure that only vaccinated people are being allowed in and are not doing the ventilation right or are not insisting that people wear masks if you're walking around inside when you go to the loo etc you wonder is that is it in some way contributing to an increase in our numbers Mary was watching the Claire Byrne show on TV last night and said there was a lady on the panel from uh, DCU and she mentioned that some of the hospital cases she reckons are due to the fact that the over 60s who had the AstraZeneca vaccine need to get a booster vaccine immediately as it seems to be losing its effect. She was saying that everybody over the age of 55 should be given a booster shot and should be given a booster shot immediately. Well I know that NIAC the National Immunisation Advisory uh, Committee, they have now come out and approved booster shots for people aged over at 60 and the approval was confirmed at a meeting in government buildings uh, last night. Now as of yet NIAC haven't come up with a booster jab for healthcare workers because I saw Philney Hay on behalf of the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. They are really calling for a booster jab for healthcare uh, officials. NIAC say that the matter has been kept under review. Uh, Stephen Donnelly said that boosters for over 60s will be the mRNA vaccine regardless of the first vaccine they received in Remember, people between 60 and 69 got AstraZeneca. The majority of them got AstraZeneca. So it is an MRA. It's either going to be a Pfizer or Moderna. They'll get uh, for the booster. Stephen Donnelly also said there's a very strong case to be made for boosters for healthcare workers, particularly the healthcare workers that would have been the first to get the vaccines back in um, uh, January. So he's, he's, you know, he said they have to be led by NIAC, though. So they're waiting on NIAC to come back and say, yes, it is now time to start giving booster vaccinations to healthcare workers. But the, the, uh, but NIAC have now come out and said that there is uh, evidence that the over 60s need to get a booster. They still say there isn't enough evidence to support a dose to all of the health staff. So it hasn't changed its advice on that. But the HSE are saying they're now planning on rolling out booster doses to those over 60 because of that fresh advice from NIAC. How it is to be done, I don't know. I don't know because I, th- I read earlier there's over a million people over 60 between over 60 between 60 and 80 out in the community who will need to be getting the vaccine the the booster because up to now they've been given the booster to over 65s who are in residential units uh, and nursing homes and they've been given it to the over 80s out in the community. So between the age of 60 and 79, there's about 1.2 million people. Will they be sending people back into vaccination centres? I don't think that they can expect the GP practices to do it. Maybe they'll get the pharmacies involved. Only time will tell. But we do know now the nod has been given from NIAC to say, yes, boosters, it's time now to start giving boosters to the over 60s. But what the timeline is, I don't know. But we'll keep a close eye on it because they say the HSE will be the ones rolling it out. But for anybody over the age of 60, NIAC has said, yes, uh, now is the time to start giving the boosters. And that, I think, will come as good news to a, a lot of people. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs An accommodation manager is required it's to cover a maternity leave at the Clonakilty Park Hotel CVs please to mcarolyn at clonakiltyparkhotel.ie 
Foley's food store in Ballydeheen. They're looking for a sales assistant. Please send your CV to ilona at live.ie. Full-time healthcare assistants and part-time household staff are wanted for the Maria Goretti Nursing Home in Kilmallock. CVs in a cover letter, please, to admin at mgnh.ie. And full and part-time sales positions are available at Danjo Fitzgerald's Furniture and Flooring in Mallow. Email CVs, please, to info at danjofitzgeralds.com for the attention, please, of Trina. You'll find further information and more job details by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Next guest was diagnosed with a rare congenital benign brain tumour at the age of 36 in 2015, which led to her enduring years of harsh surgeries, radiotherapy, and countless hospital stays. Katie McGrath, a Paula Duff Road native, has written a memoir called Heads Are Tales, outlining her journey. And uh, Katie joins me uh, now. Good morning to you, Katie. Good morning, Patricia. It's great to speak to you. Well, it's lovely to speak to you. And your story is truly uh, inspiring. So I suppose the obvious first question is for you to explain what pushed you to write this book and why why do you feel this book is important? Um, I I actually felt compelled to write the book. Um, When I was in recovery, I felt very isolated. I felt like there was no other book out there that kind of portrayed the symptoms I'd gone through in my experience. So I kind of wrote a book that hadn't already been written. And I wanted to help people. I wanted to let them know that you're not alone and that there is hope at the end of, you know, a very long journey to recovery. And there are organisations out there that can help you. And friends and family can be a great support network as well. And the book is all about hope, um, I, I have to say. And it, it struck me when I finished the book. Uh, did you wish when you were first diagnosed that a book like this was on the shelf? Absolutely. And yeah. that's, that's the reason behind why I wrote it um, was because I wrote a book that wasn't there for me. Um, obviously, that you can uh, gain a lot of support from like brain injury organisations, other organisations like Headway. But I wanted to write a book and I'm very honest in the book. Um, I'm very open about all my thoughts and feelings. And that wasn't there for me when I was going through my recovery. So I want to write it and reach out to people. Well, well done. Well done. And, and, and I really do think it will it will help uh, people. So let's go back to your diagnosis. You're married to Donal. Little over a year. It's early 2015. You're starting. You'd been starting to feel unwell. Yeah, I started to feel like uh, I was. I was getting uh, really excruciating headaches, but they were very infrequent at the start. So I wasn't um, overly kind of concerned. I just thought maybe it's to do with I started a new job. My you know, my job wasn't overly stressful, but you know yourself, you, you want to kind of go in there every day and do the best you can. You can. So I was putting it down to maybe stress from that. Um, and what happened was when I would get the headaches, I'd also get distorted vision. And the vision uh, was like the zigzag lines diagonally. And one of my feet would also, I'd have a tingling numbness in one of my feet. Um, But again, uh, the situation didn't really come to my attention until the last week in May. So you were what, putting it down to migraines? 
Yeah, I put it down to migraines. And the last week of May, I it was the first time I felt nauseous as well, which was a new symptom. And I felt very faint. So I went to South Dock and um, they, they diagnosed it as a bad migraine. Now, they did say if symptoms persist or, uh, you know, if you don't feel well in the next in the next few days to um, to, to maybe go back to your own doctor. And I can't blame them. I know a lot of people who get migraines who have similar symptoms. Mm. So I did go back to work and by Friday still wasn't feeling right. I came home from work and uh, I felt sick. And I don't remember what happened after that until I woke up on the hallway tiles. I was after passing out. Um, and by the blessings of God, Donald, who no, who normally goes to the gym, came back because he forgot something. Yeah, it was definitely, it was like a miracle. He he never misses a spinning class. And that Friday, he'd forgotten his trainers. And um, so he came in and I tried to explain to him what had happened. He rang South Dock. In hindsight, again, now we should have just rang an ambulance. But, you know, we just panicked and we said we're ringing South Dock. And they were the last point of contact. And while he was on the phone to them, I couldn't remember what I'd done that day. I was like, "Have I been to work? What did I do in work?" It was it was very disconcerting. It was I was that's scary. It is it's scary not remembering what you've done that that day, and it was only you know kind of uh, like maybe half five in the evening. So we went to South Dock again. I wasn't feeling well, and um, I I don't remember much after that. But Donald said I didn't come back from the bathroom, and he knew that was dangerous. You, yeah, you collapsed in the bathroom at South Dock. Yes, and exactly. that then led to you going into hospital. And was that the first scan then that you yeah, had? They yeah, they did a CT scan straight away, and straight away they, that they could see that there was a, a mass and that there was fluid on the brain. And um, so they did a drainage procedure that night to uh, drain the fluid. Uh, my headache beforehand was excruciating, even after morphine. And um, so um, the next morning, then I woke up and. Uh, they explained to me what had happened. The procedure had gone well. I had uh, an unusual, it was kind of like a drip attached to my head. I think it's called a ventriloscopy machine, which drains, uh, like it drains the brain fluid. Mm. So to look at, it was, again, very disconcerting, ready brown in colour, but it was there to, to monitor pressures in my skull and to drain fluid. And um, so, you know, it, it was... It wasn't nice to look up, but it was doing. Oh, no, it was doing its job. Yeah. And to be told, you know, at 36 years of age that you have a brain tumour. What what goes through your mind? Yeah, it it was shocking. They did an MRI that day and uh, soon after the neurosurgeon came back, Donald was was thankfully with me and I was in absolute shock. I was petrified. I I couldn't believe it. I was in disbelief because... uh, we were also given the news that I'd be, um, I'd, I'd have an operation the next day, a craniotomy, and it would take five hours. And in my own head, I was saying, why will the surgeons be? Why will it take so long? What would they be doing for for five hours? I was, it was the scariest experience, to be honest. And I didn't even like it was my own fear, but I actually thought, well, I survived this operation. And I had a very kind of loving, meaningful conversation with Donald that night because I really didn't know if I was going to wake up from the operation. It was the scariest day of my life, to be honest. And that was the, really the beginning. You had, you had more more operations and procedures after that. And Katie, when you look back on all of the operations and procedures that you had to have, which of them do you look back on and say, God, that was the hardest? 
Yeah, there's there's two. The first craniotomy, the recovery from that, even in hospital, was very slow. Like after the operation, I had a swollen eye, I had a swelling on the side of my um, my head because they had to put titanium brackets and screws. So there was an indentation on my forehead, a swelling out the side from the operation, and um, my eye was swollen for a few days just from the operation. And again, um, just uh, I was very. Um, just very weak, very disorientated, in shock, still in shock. And um, then I was, they were hoping to kind of let me go home to recover because, you know, they don't want you to stay in hospital in case you pick up an infection um, or something else. And uh, I suddenly became sick again and I kept falling asleep and they were bewildered and they did the right tests and they said I had diabetes insipitus, which is, I was, excessively drinking water while excessively urinating and all the sodium was, was, was being pushed out of my body. So I was put on fluid restriction and I was in the hospital a bit longer, but they got it under control. Was that, was that linked to the brain tumour? It was. It's quite right. common. Yeah, it, it does happen with, with uh, if there's any kind of brain operation and a tumour. Now, okay. it, again, it, it, it's not the most common thing to happen, but it's it, they were kind of aware of what, what it might be straight away and they just did a blood test. I mean, the, the one thing with your story, uh, Katie, if it's rare, it's guaranteed to happen to you. <laughs> I know, I wish I was With every page I was turning, saying, I cannot believe what this girl is, has, <laughs> has been put through. And the, the operation that you had to have through your nose, yeah. I, I found, I thought that Oh my God, my heart went out to you uh, on that one. Was that particularly difficult? It was, and the recovery was yeah. very slow. Again, it was an endoscopic endonasal surgery, so they uh, basically uh, put a tube um, up my my nose and managed to do the brain operation that way. They couldn't do another craniotomy because they knew I needed radiotherapy, and they they just couldn't um, expose the skull in the head again. So this was the only route really to go, and I had to go to Beaumont in Dublin for that. So again, a different location, different hospital. And you, and you didn't, you didn't like leaving Cork, really. You'd have preferred if everything was happening in Cork. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and this time, I just didn't want to worry my parents, so I didn't actually tell them I was going to Dublin for an operation. I just felt like I wanted to kind of protect them from, you know, more, more worry and more trauma. I did tell them obviously after, but. Um, so I had the operation and I had a bandage on my nose this time and the bandage was left on for a few days. And again, I was suffering from, it's an unquenchable thirst after you have an operation from the anaesthetic. So my sister Maria actually had a great idea and I actually said it to them. I said, could I actually get a cup of ice cubes that I could suck on instead of trying to limit the water you know I was on fluid restriction again and that really helped that's a great tip for people uh, as well and the one thing about your book you know it's got it's got great detail in it and it is it's such an honest read as well but the reason that you've got such great detail is the fact that you journaled during your treatment did that journaling at the and it was never with the idea of writing a book but obviously then you had almost all the research in front of you did the journaling at the time help? Oh, without a doubt. It was so therapeutic. And I've always been the type to kind of be very expressive and, and write things down. And when you actually write with pen and paper, it connects you more to your words. Um, so it was like therapy. And in, in the journal, I had, 
you know, very specific details and certain details I couldn't recall. And Donald, my husband, was very good for recalling certain things, you know, like certain positioning of operations for the book, especially I wanted to get everything accurate. But the journal was, was therapeutic and it was it was rehabilitative. Mm. You again, know, um, again, another uh, tip and, and to help for anybody else who who's going or will go through uh, what you went through. And while you've recovered from the operations and the procedures and, and all of that, it, it has come as, has, at a cost, uh, Katie. You've got vision issues. And the one thing that's heartbreaking and it's, it trickles throughout the book, you're no longer able to drive and you're finding that very difficult. Yes, I am, definitely. Um, you know, I've driven uh, over 10 years and you just feel like you've lost your independence. You're reliable on other people constantly. Uh, people don't mind, like my husband, my family and friends do consistently give me lifts, but you just miss the independence of being able to bring yourself places. Um, it's it's heartbreaking and you actually go through like a grieving process. Mm. You know, uh, it was very, very tough. Um, like, I do try and count my blessings because I know I could have lost more vision. Um, I've only lost a percentage, but I've lost peripheral vision in both eyes. And that's why I can't drive. If, if you, you know, I've lost in both eyes. Sometimes if you only have lost in one eye, there is a possibility you can drive. But I've lost it in both. But I still count my blessings that I can see. I can yeah, walk. Yeah. And, and, and I love the way when you needed to get treatments or therapies or whatever, you tried to make sure it was on a bus route. Because <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you are still very yeah, very independent. And the other thing that really struck me was, Katie, you've really beaten yourself up about your weight gain. I know. And with everything up. you've been through. Hun, honest to God, and and I've seen photographs. You're stunningly beautiful. Thank you. St- stop beating yourself up. You've been on steroids, which of course is going to balloon your weight. Yeah, yeah. that you found Thank that you. you found that really hard as well. I did. It was kind of I felt like my identity had been stolen because um, at the start as well. I, I and this is only a small superficial thing. I couldn't color my hair. I, I usually, but again, that didn't get to me. It was more the weight. Um, I suppose as a woman, you you know that you'd always try and um, monitor your weight. And I never um, had a major weight issue, but just because I was in recovery and um, I wasn't doing exercise and I was just eating a bit more. And, you know, I am a bit kinder to myself about that. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and you'd have you'd every reason to comfort it, honest to God, with with what you've been through, and the the book details the support of your husband Donal, your family, and your very uh, close friends, and that's important to get out to people. Lean on others when de- you need it. Definitely, I mean, you need a good support network, and um, between family and friends, you know, you just need people that you can talk to. You're going to be very anxious at times. You're going to feel certain things. And just being able to have those people to depend on. Like, for example, there was days after my first craniotomy where Donald would just take me out for a spin in the evening just so I wouldn't acquire cabin fever. And Mm. that really helped me. It's the smallest details that can help you, you know. Has the pandemic been hard on you? It has because um, now, in a way, I've kind of dealt better because I'm used to being at home more, whereas I know some people are struggling with being at home a lot. So I, I haven't really acquired that much cabin fever but I have I've been avoiding the bus because, you know, it's just too risky for me. And um, especially being on steroids, uh, which are immunosuppressant. And, um, you know, I, at the odd time I would have gotten a cab as well before. And so I tried to avoid that as well. So in that way, it has. In other ways, I, I, I've probably adapted a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in a way, it's 
probably been a bit easier for me because I'm so used to being at home and, you know, doing a lot uh, in the house, whereas I know other people have struggled with that. Yeah, you you were already doing the cocooning before yeah. before it even happened. Yeah. Well, listen, it's a terrific book. Where is the book available? So it's available on Amazon. It's available um, in paperback and Kindle version there. Um, it's available in Waters, on the Waterstone Books website. And you can also order it from all major bookstores. If you go in and you ask them, can I order the book, they should be able to order it's it. It's heads you. or tails and it's tails as in T-A-L-E-S. And what is life like today for Katie McGrath? Yeah, life is a lot more positive. Is it good? Yeah, I try and uh, focus on the positive. Um, obviously, I'll be on a drug kind of regime for life, but I've gotten adjusted to that. Um, but I just try and think of the positives. I I try and uh, kind of pay it forward as well, as in um, I try and be as helpful as possible to other people, especially people, you know, who've helped me. And, you know, um, obviously the writing of this book was very therapeutic and very rehabilitative. Um, I'm back doing a bit of voluntary work for my sister-in-law's business now as well, which has really helped. Well, listen, you, you are, you were, you, the book is inspirational and you, you have a great gift to tell a story. Thank uh, you. So well, well done on that. And listen, thanks a million for taking time out to join us. And You're welcome. Us today. I'm, I'm glad I was able to share my story. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Katie McGrath. The book is called Heads or Tales Surviving a Brain Tumour. And she did. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now, once again, Cork families have a chance to rehome rescued hens. And with another rescue operation planned by the Little Hill Animal Rescue for this bank holiday weekend, I'm once again joined by the lady who just loves. Little Creatures. Well-known actress, uh, Pauline McGlynn. Good morning to you, Pauline. Good morning. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. Are Cork families, are they always good to adopt these little hens? Very much so. We always have a great response from Cork, which makes my heart burst with pride. Um, and we're hoping that this weekend will be no different. Um, to be honest, it's unexpected for us. We thought we were finished with our hen rescues for the year, but um, we were contacted by a farmer who said, well, I'll be culling all of uh, my little hens um, unless you come and rescue them. Um, so we, we feel obliged to do it because um, if if you can, as many as we can save, even if it's one at a time, that's what we'll do. So, um, yes, we're, we're not going to be all around the country but particularly in um, Mallow and Little Island. Yeah, uh, that's, the, that's the two drop-offs. Yeah, families, yeah. And, and you, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm not surprised in, in many ways that Cork is so great on the uptake of all of this. And by the way, you know, also not a place where we have uh, too many no-shows because uh, last time we did a big rescue, we were left with hundreds that um, had been booked for adoption and then people didn't turn up, which is, astounds me because... If you booked your hens, it means you were ready to get them. So, you know, you were set up and it doesn't take much. Um, all you really need is a fox-free or a fox-proof, if you like. Um, we hope to be fox-free. <laughs> a fox-proof shed and some upturned buckets for them to roost on at night, you know, keep them safe. Um, and then other than that, they can uh, do what it is they do during the day, scratch around and lay you eggs. 
Um, but I had been thinking about, you know, the satisfaction that people get from from having hens and uh, getting their eggs. And, and it struck me because I was in the um, supermarket the other day and I wanted to buy some tomatoes and I wanted to buy Irish tomatoes um, because, you know, we're all hearing about climate change, the carbon footprint, all of that. Imagine if you had a zero carbon footprint for your eggs. Yeah, and that's exactly that's exactly what your your little hens will do, and they may be a little bit bedraggled when they first arrive. Well, you see, one of the reasons why they're being called now at the moment is this: like we're talking about uh, commercial farmers here. So, um, at eighteen months, uh, the hens take just a little pause to reset their biological buttons. We call it the molt, and they might not lay an egg every day. Um, So, the farmer can't have an egg every day from the hens, uh, then to him they're no longer commercially viable. So um, it's it, it's just easier and um, more commercial for them to uh, cull that herd and our flock, I should say, of, of hens and get in new hens for another 18 months. And in 18 months, they'll be up for pulling as well. But the hens haven't stopped laying. It's just they're not commercially laying anymore. But they will be laying for you for, for many years to come. And they do look often very bedraggled because, of course, all of their efforts have gone into laying the eggs over 18 months. And, you know, like their feathers maybe in, in that make and um, both of them maybe quite bald, even though we're taking free-range ones this time. Free-range doesn't mean exactly to public, you know, legally to a farmer. So they can offer, you know, it's, it's the, they have the opportunity to be uh, to maybe get out and about. It doesn't mean that they get there. Um, yeah. Because there's a pecking order in all flocks, you know, and if you've got someone jealously, um, you know, guarding the exit to their bit of, of free-range land, then you know, you're out of luck if you're the other and end if of the barn. But if they do arrive a bit bedraggled, they will regain their plumage they and their feathers. Certainly will. Yeah, their yeah. plumage and their attitude yeah. with um, great alacrity. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if anybody's interested, you should get onto the Little Hill Facebook page, um, just in general about adoption, but just see the stories that people send in pictures of the antics of their hens and how much they love them. Because, you know, whatever about getting the eggs, you also will have the best of fun out of them. And uh, they're very curious uh, little creatures, and uh, they're just—I'm—I'm I'm afraid it, it does get to be an addiction. So yeah, I they're great. They have great right little person, personalities. Okay, Little Island and Mallow, but we need people to book the hens, and you do that through through uh, the Little Hill. Animal Rescue yeah. Facebook, Facebook page. page yes. yeah. And you yeah, book your hens and then we will direct message you just saying what times we We're will here. be at the drop-off point <laughs> yeah. and so on. You know, And it's great, you know, do do book and please do um, turn up because it's such a long journey for them to make. Yeah, and we want them to, to get them home. Point and then to be sent home to yeah, the point yeah. they didn't get their home. So, you know, and, it's, uh, yeah, it's and, heartbreak. And Camille, how is life with you at the moment? I saw you in Silent Witness a couple of weeks ago and oh, you were superb, may well, I say. Thank you very much. It's one of my favourite series, so I was thrilled to be asked, yeah. asked out to play, as it were. But I'll tell you what, uh, around at the moment, if people would like a laugh, and it is uh, an excellent, really funny Irish movie, there's a movie in the cinemas called Deadly Cup. It's all about hairdressing and it's, very, very. It's got Angeline Ball in, Victoria Smurfit. I myself turn up here and there. Okay. And um, and it, as it's all about hairdressing, I have to tell you something. Um, that's all I ever wanted to be in life. Um, <laughs> and it's not too late to retrain. So I got to talk about hair. Um, just top of the range nonsense about hair and it's 
just, it's, um, I think people are going to love it. They are already loving it. It's been out a week and it's been selling out everywhere. Brilliant. And you will thank me for the laugh that you will have. Deadly Cuts. That movie. Deadly Cuts. Deadly Cuts. Yeah, yeah. And did, uh, did you, were you also down in West Cork for Graham Norton's Holding? Yes, I was indeed. I had the time of my life uh, based in Skibbereen and all around there swimming in Loch as often as I could mm-hmm. and um, it was just wonderful so yeah holding for ITV um, I, I presume next year is we haven't a date that. yeah, we're sure yeah. We'll keep, mm-hmm. because we were involved with the casting company when they were looking for locals and extras and, yes. and they're, oh, they promised were, can I just say were they, immaculate were they, they? Shame, yeah. were they brilliant, uh, they brilliant. all of the people who turned up to be the village uh, the villagers and yeah. so on and they were just magnificent as was everywhere just around West Cork that we we fetched up in you know it was just wonderful Uh, so I think people are going to love it as well aren't they you know and then other than that uh, you catch me at a moment where I am bombing into town uh, here in Dublin up to Leinster House to protest against uh, the export of live animals uh, particularly uh, a new visa whiz from the government to um, to, uh, to to export live pigs to China, uh, a horrible journey for them, and uh, organised by Caroline Rowley, who do, does so much excellent work in the port of Cork against um, exports, uh, the export of live animals um, from there, um, and she runs Ethical Farming Ireland. So I'll, I'll be up there with Neil Hannon of the Divine Comedy and Kathy Davy, the singer, um, just making noise on behalf of the animals in about 10 minutes' time. I'll let you go to it then, because uh, the mobile's starting to break up. Listen, you're, oh. you're a fantastic advocate on behalf of animals, so so well done. It, it is an honour to be. And, um, and uh, le- yes, and to all Cork people, get out there and get, and get your, your hens. hens. We're coming. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a million, Thank Pauline. So Always a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The wonderful Pauline McLean. Little Hill Animal Rescue. You need to go on their Facebook page. That's how you book your hens and they're going to be next Sunday doing a drop-off in Little Island and also in Mallow if you'd like to adopt some of their rescued hens. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The government is due uh, to announce its revised reopening plan following the latest advice that they got from the National Public Health Emergency Team. And the announcement is due shortly, is all, all we're told. So we're keeping a close eye on it and we will do our very best if it does break between now and one to bring you the announcement live. So stick with us here on C103. You won't miss anything. OK, let me go to some of your thoughts and comments coming in on various things that we've been discussing today on the We were talking about the high cost of petrol and diesel earlier on with Bob Flavin and that online petition that they want to send to the Taoiseach and to the government to simply give motorists a break. And as I mentioned, I I found a piece uh, during the week from the European Commission, which basically was giving uh, the government the go-ahead and indeed other, not just Ireland, other European governments. uh, They were given the green light by Brussels. If they want to, they can temporarily cut household fuels taxes and subsidised firms which have been hit by high energy prices but in particular pensioners, poorer households and obviously all of the hauliers uh, they're all uh, clamouring for relief at the moment due to the rising uh, costs particularly with the extra ones that were announced in the budget last uh, Tuesday so there was this paper published by the Energy Commission, the European Commission that said EU countries can reduce VAT and energy taxes. They also said that they can do things like issue uh, fuel vouchers. They can defer utility bills. They can ban 
grid disconnections to help families get through the winter months. And the European Commission are urging governments to use bumper revenues from high polluting industries to fund the measures but they said there is no limit to how much that can be used to protect vulnerable house- households so the EU are giving the nod to the government to say if you want to reduce any of the taxes that are currently in place on fuels you can do it now the government haven't as yet moved on it that's why this online petition is calling on the government to please give motorists a break please but that said Michael uh, listening to that chat about fuel and obviously we touched on electric cars but how expensive electric cars are and Michael once again again text the programme and he's mentioned this before to say when will we wake up in this country and start growing something called miscantus I've said it repeatedly before that one acre can supply any household with enough fuel for their heating for a full year just look at the savings on home heating oil just on that alone furthermore it can supply you with gas electricity and much more the Welsh Parliament in Wales now are actually urging the growing of this miscantus anyone can just google it it's a carbon free fuel M-I-S-C-A-N-T-U-S I hope I'm pronouncing it right Miscantus uh, Michael says I note that haulier companies in the north of England now have their fleets running on carbon free fuels why can't we do likewise in this country instead of opting for massively expensive electric cars we have all of this outside our doors and we do nothing about it only knock it is it because there would be a loss to the revenue to the state in taxes on fuels if everybody switched and started using this product that can actually uh, go on. You can supply enough. One acre can supply enough enough fuel to heat a household for a year. So Micah sends on links if anybody wants to look at it and Google it and find out more about it. Miscantus, it's as an alternative crop and it's been suggested now for Welsh farmers. Thank you for that, uh, Michael. Also coming in to us this morning, let me see what else we've had. Um, There was a lovely one in, if I can find it, where is it here? Oh, this is from Anne. says, says, fair play to Katie. That was Katie McGrath, who joined us in the last hour, wrote a book about surviving a brain tumour. And says, fair dues to Katie for writing that book about her tumour. She's very brave and very strong. What a wonderful attitude she has. My heart goes out to her kind regards, Anne. Yeah, and you know, she's written it. It's therapeutic for herself, obviously, to write the book. But she's also written it with others in mind in the hope that if any ends up going down the unfortunate route that she found herself in. She had a very, very rare uh, brain tumour. But just to have a book like that, and it's so full of positivity and so full of, it's very honest as well, and, and tips to help other people as well. It's a, a terrific book. Heads heads or tails, but it's tails as in T-A-L-E-S is what she's called it, and we wish her luck with her book. Now, we were talking about bank scams, and Ger joined us talking about what happened to his elderly couple, only last week in Connor and how they their bank account cleared out by scam artists. Here's a really good suggestion from somebody to say, Patricia, I have two bank accounts in the same bank. One is called an on-call account. This account holds the bulk of my capital and I do not have card access to it. I then have a switch current account. When I need to do any shopping, be it out of the local shop or any online transaction I simply transfer the funds that I need for my shopping or the online transactions from the one from the on-call account which has all of the savings in it and send that into the switch current account that account obviously then has a card but I but I have chosen 
to have no overdraft facilities or anything available. This protects the bulk of my capital from any scams because nobody can get access to it. That's very, very clever indeed. Uh, Well done to you on that. Uh, It's just a suggestion if anybody else uh, wants to consider going down that route. There are other ways to try to protect yourself, I think, basically, is what that listener is saying. Now, we've been talking about booster shots and it's one of the things that we're expecting to be part of the announcement that they're going to offer booster shots to the over 60s because Nyack now has recommended it for the over 60s. Somebody has been on to us to say, Trisha, I got my booster last Friday. I'm 65 and I know more who got an appointment. So the advice from Nyack today doesn't count. By, and for the record, I got a message from the HG calling me in for my booster and I don't have underlying issues. And you're not the first I've had. Now, I haven't had, I wouldn't say I've had hundreds I've probably had a handful of people who've contacted me to say they're in their 60s and they got called for a booster. Still can't quite understand how or why it's happening. I thought perhaps maybe some doctor surgeries are doing it because we know at the moment we're told that the HSE are only administering boosters to people aged 65 and over who are in a nursing home or in a residential setting and they're also giving it to people over the age of 80. Now there is a huge cohort of people of all ages that are getting it who are immune compromised or have underlying health conditions and transplant recipients etc. So whenever I was getting texts in from people saying well I'm in my 60s or I'm in my 50s and I'd be called for a booster I was assuming it's because they have some kind of an underlying health condition or immune compromise but seemingly this listener says I don't for the record I don't have any underlying issues so I can't explain can't explain how you've managed to get your booster because it's only now Nike have come out and said that boosters are going to be given to the over 60s but many people working in healthcare are still wondering when are they going to make their minds up about that because we know there are nurses in hospitals and in nursing homes who unfortunately, even though they're fully jabbed, are picking up COVID because there's so much COVID around at the moment. Now, the good news is the people who are vaccinated or getting COVID are not getting very sick. I mean, that's we take comfort from that. But obviously, if you're in, if you are a nurse or a doctor or a care assistant and you're working in a hospital or a nursing home or any kind of a residential setting and if you get COVID that then puts you out of action for two weeks and that's what we don't want because if the hospitals are already swamped with extra patients we don't then need staff to start getting sick and that they're not able to come in and even if they're not sick the very fact that they have COVID they'll have to remain at home for 14 days so that's a worry there I can see why people in healthcare settings are saying give people the boosters just to up their immunity even further and actually talking about the high number of COVID cases that are out there at the moment it's actually prompted the cancellation of the Bally de Hob thrashing and vintage car run due to be happening this weekend but they're concerned the organisers there are concerned about the rising national figures and they've decided whoa we'll take a, we're going to take a hold here on this so they've cancelled it now whether they reschedule it for a new date or not they'll let us know or whether it's gone for this year the fact that it's a thrashing it probably is gone for this year but it'll be back with us next year but just to let people know if you were planning to attend the Ballydehob thrashing and vintage car run it has been cancelled 
for this weekend. 1850-333-103. And Mary feels there's too much talk about the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Mary says, we live in a democracy and if people do not wish to take the vaccine, then it is their wish and we need to respect it. Mary doesn't agree with some other countries who are going down the mandatory route, but she's also feeling a bit in this country. There is almost like a divide now between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And I know a lot of people certainly commenting on this programme and contacting this programme when we realised that the numbers were rising and a lot of people are blaming the unvaccinated for a rise in the numbers. And because we know all of the lifting of all the restrictions now, we know they're definitely not going to go ahead on Friday. Many people are blaming the unvaccinated and certainly a lot of unvaccinated people think that that is very unfair. It is their bodies and their choices. And Mary, who is vaccinated... Uh, says she absolutely respects people who decide not to get uh, vaccinated and she thinks there's just a kind of a there's a kind of an anger almost coming in there and a divide coming in there between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated and Mary's right other countries have gone down the mandatory route and have said you know no jab no job in some countries is what is happening but she wants to point out we live in a democracy and she never wants to see that coming into this uh, country Pat in Fomoy says if it's true that we're keeping the Covid certificates then they really need to enforce them Pat again is of the view that there are many uh, bars that they don't ask. We need to do enforcement maybe hand it over to the Gardaí and let them enforce it and again a suggestion that a number of others have made if any bar is found with an unvaccinated person that they should be closed down. But Pat I don't know if you heard us earlier, we had one of our listeners contact us who works in a bar, a gastropub that sells food and was making the point that the bar that uh, she works in, they've been really, really strict about the COVID certificate, checking everybody's COVID certificate on arrival. But she made the point that 75% of their customers are regulars who are in and out, might come in a couple of times uh, a week and they've already checked their COVID cert once and they know these people. So they don't need to keep checking their COVID, COVID certs. So when you're in a bar or you're in a restaurant and you see people walking in and you're thinking they haven't been checked, maybe stop and think and maybe ask the question are they regulars and maybe they have already been checked and they just you don't need the staff constantly checking the same people once they've been checked once and they know them they know they have their COVID certificate so that can be the case even though we have heard the government say that there needs to be stricter enforcement of whatever regulations they decide to leave in place on Friday there has to be strict enforcement of them 1850 John Paul's taking your calls you can text your WhatsApp to 086 1103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Kildare Bingo have been on to say that their home bingo books are once again available for this week. They're on sale locally, and this week's snowball prize is €2,000. Rathmore and District Credit Union, they're hosting a coffee cart for International Credit Union Day, which is happening this Thursday from 10.30am to 3pm. It's in the main office in Rathmore. Proceeds from the coffee cart are going to the Air Ambulance Service in uh, Rathcool. 
And the Terence McSweeney weekend that commemorates the former Cork Lord Mayor and his fellow hunger strikers. That's going to be held in the Independence Museum in Kilmurray. It's running across this bank holiday weekend from Friday to Sunday. You can get further details on their website, which is kilmurraymuseum.ie. And the Mallow Women's Shed, better known as the Loose Women Group. They're planning to reopen after the relaxation of restrictions on Friday. They meet Thursday mornings from 10am to 12 noon in the Mallow Mercy Centre. You're invited to come along any Thursday morning that you want for a cuppa and a chat with the other Loose Women. And you can bring, if you want, any items of craft, your knitting, your crochet, your embroidery. More information from the Loose Women at 087 687 2206. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And some of your thoughts coming in to us. Hi, Patricia. I think it's very unfair to be blaming the unvaccinated. At the end of the day, there are people in hospital that are double vaccined. Antigen tests should be made available as they are in uh, England. They are talking about bringing vac- They are talking about bringing antigen tests in. Uh, they're going to be given to close contacts of anybody who tests positive is one of the things that certainly has been mentioned. And you are right, there are uh, unvaccinated people in ICU but it's a much smaller proportion. I know the latest figures are out uh, 60% of patients admitted to intensive care from June through to the start of October were not fully vaccinated. Uh, Just 31% of patients were confirmed to be fully vaccinated. And then when you break the figures down even further of the numbers who ended up in ICU, three quarters of them had an underlying health condition of which, which is a real worry, 12 pregnant women ended up being admitted to ICU between June and October. Uh, Eight of them with an underlying health health condition and just one had been uh, vaccinated. And then the age group actually of those um, who are in uh, ICU much younger than it was on previous waves and they're saying that's because the older people have been vaccinated. The average age now of people ending up in ICU is 54 um, over 50% were 54 are younger. The average age is uh, 54 and the youngest person to die from COVID in ICU was a 17-year-old and the uh, oldest was uh, 88. And the evidence is still there that the vaccines are uh, working. Now, and a number of people delighted to hear that the over 60s are to receive a uh, booster and the confirmation coming through is that the booster will be Pfizer and not Moderna. People over 60 are going to be offered that vaccine booster we don't know yet how it's going to be given out um, and NIAC are recommending it to try to stop the spread of COVID-19. number of people over the age of 60 happy to get it. One listener is saying, I feel we, we the over 60s, between 60 and 69, are only minimally protected because we only got the AstraZeneca. Uh, there's a big percentage of people in the UK presenting with uh, COVID um, and very sick and they've had the AstraZeneca uh, to prevent serious illness, we should never have been offered AstraZeneca and a number of people are saying uh, that. Uh, someone else is pointing out that Patricia, a lot of people are coming back from holidays testing positive for COVID. Is that true? I haven't, I, I didn't realise that but uh, may, maybe it is, maybe it is. 1850 and then completely different one. I was listening to some of your programme yesterday about the conditions of our roads. We live on the N72 the N72 is the road between Waterford and uh, between Formoy and the Waterford County bounds 
the road is a disgrace. At the end of the day, it is a national road. We have all these heavy traffic that comes off the boat at Ross Lair. They're mainly big lorries. Big potholes are starting to emerge about every few weeks. The local county council say they're only responsible for filling the potholes, but as well as them in, uh, but as well as that in several places, part of the road is subsiding. How long do we have to wait to have our roads fixed? That's somebody who obviously has to travel on that road uh, quite a lot. 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls you can text or whatsapp to 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie this is the Court today replay on C103 Briefly on booster shots, somebody said, what about home helps? We're dealing with very vulnerable people every day. Are we not entitled to a booster? Most of us got the AstraZeneca jab and we got it early. That was back in uh, March. Well, I know that NIAC at the moment are only recommending it for the over uh, 60s and I do and no decision yet has been made on a booster jab for healthcare workers. But I know Stephen Donnelly is anxious for them to look at healthcare workers. But, and obviously as a home help, you'll fall in under healthcare workers. So as of yet, Nyack haven't made uh, a recommendation. But Margaret has been on to say, Patricia, I got my booster uh, jab. I got the Pfizer. I'm glad to be getting it. I'm diabetic, so I fell in under the at-risk groups. So I've already got my booster. Well done and thank you for that, Margaret. OK, going to park it there because I want to move on. Joe Heffernan uh, joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And we want to return to something. We have spoken about it in the past, but I think it's yeah. very relevant again. And it's... Is, there's this whole thing about anxiety and there's yeah. so much now that you can almost sense the anxiety already as we're waiting to see what the government are going to do about Friday what's Absolutely. going to open up what's not and even yesterday when I was speaking with Michael O'Donovan on the Vintners Federation and his pub in the city has a lot of elderly people go in there and he says with the numbers rising he can already see some of the his regulars have stopped going in because they're anxious about going back out again and some of them almost opting to cocoon themselves it's trying to get this balance between living a reasonably normal life and not feeling anxious about it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. About it, isn't it? Absolutely. That's exactly trying to find that balance. Now, we're talking about anxiety. I had a phone call yesterday from a lady who, um, as you know, the buses are uh, standing in for the train between Mallow and Cork um, due to uh, signalling work being done. And um, uh, she, I mean, she was upset. She got the bus um, from Mallow to Cork. But maybe they should have had two buses at the time because it was jammed. Um, uh, very warm, and um, you know, uh, uh, she felt extremely anxious, highly anxious when she got to Cork. And um, so there you are. Like there's all sorts of things arise, and if we can minimise the things that we can actually minimise, um, you know, I mean, no fault whatsoever of the bus people. Really, it's just that. Too many people at the one time. Um, maybe another bus wasn't handy to be on call, but um, to something that maybe they could look out for. Yeah, but um, we know public transport now has gone back to one hundred percent. So, yeah. and if you are anxious about being that close to people, it is going to be difficult. If you need to use public transport, you more than likely will be sitting with somebody sitting who you don't know right beside you. Well, apparently there was not one seat on that bus. And then unfortunately, um, uh, apparently the heating was malfunctioning and it was on. And, um, uh, you know, uh, that the bus was extremely packed and extremely hot. Mm. And it's very, so, it's been very mild as well, which isn't, which isn't, yeah, which isn't healthy. Yeah, so people yeah. are worried about a whole host That's of different things. That's just about it. Every single thing now um, that, um, uh, that that raises our anxiety levels. Um, uh, you know, we we need to be brave, and at the same time, we need to be careful. And I suppose the balance to be found in there is um, is what will work for us. Um, I was at my first film now last week. I was thrilled to be going. Um, no, I'll be honest with you. Um, I went to see the James Bond. I yeah. <laughs> look, it's not for me to say I'm not a film critic, but I wouldn't be highly recommending it. I thought it was all banging, bluster, and explosions. But maybe I'm getting a bit too old hmm. for that kind of thing. <laughs> but were but you, I mean, a- were you it, anxious I, I, about I it? it? And I went. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we like we. This is trying to get the balance. We have to live our lives as well. We do. We do, and um, uh, within reason, um, I think we need to um, we need to push the boundary a tiny little bit. Um, now, apparently, you see what could have happened. I'm thinking with the um, with the vaccines is that people very possibly kind of like uh, abandoned a little bit um, all the other usuals, the uh, the hand washing. The um, you know, the masks, the um, the taking care, um, 
that maybe maybe we thought, oh, we're vaccinated, we're we're immune, you know. A bit and, of complacency then, set in. Yes, precisely, and um, and I think um, what we need to realise now is that right, we're miles and miles safer with the vaccine, really much much safer, but we're not immune. Mm. Um, so we need to just use a bit of common sense as well as the vaccine. Uh, like myself now, and indeed um, Mary, um, we're well over 60, a long time over 60, so we'll be getting our booster shot now um, uh, fairly soon, uh, judging from uh, what's being said. But um, then again, um, uh, I suppose we have to balance the old thing there that they were talking about, uh, life versus livelihood. Uh, I mean... Uh, the likes of the gentleman you were talking with just for then now to do with the pub and that. Um, you know, if it can be done safely, and I think it can, well then, um, you know, it would be great that, uh, that society as such would would open up a little bit and that we would be try to be less, um, less uh, over-anxious. Not to but, be but, I, but I suppose if you do end up feeling anxious, acknowledge the anxiety and try to rationalise why you're feeling anxious. Is, is, is that the key? Yeah. And one of the things that people don't realise, um, uh, 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 generally speaking, is that anxiety is a bodily issue more so than a mind issue. Um, anxiety is in the body, not in the mind. The part of the brain, the amygdala, who is our great friend, who warns us danger here and pushes adrenaline throughout the body um, uh, for fight or flight, sometimes uh, <laughs> doesn't use common sense and tells us danger here when, in fact, there is not danger. And... Um, when the amygdala decides to go off on its own bat and tell us that we're in dire danger when, in fact, we're not, that's really the basis, the absolute basis of a panic attack. Um, so that if we can calm the body, the mind will follow. In other words, um, a, a bit of deep breathing. It doesn't sound too spectacular, but it works. Um, a bit of deep breathing, um, feeling the tummy raise on the in-breath and holding for a little couple of moments and then um, exhaling and uh, feeling the shoulders come down on the out-breath. That can actually help in a major way um, uh, with anxiety and maybe even prevent a panic attack. And you can do that breathing anywhere. No matter where Absolutely. you are. Absolutely. Yeah. If I was sitting on that bus yesterday and if I felt anxious and uncomfortable, automatically I would get into my breathing thing. Now, nobody would be saying, oh, gee, what's your man doing? We're all breathing, hopefully. Um, I mean, people might notice if you stopped breathing. But um, so I would, uh, I would just change the pattern of my breathing a little bit. Um, and I would make sure that I was breathing deeply. In other words, that my tummy was expanding on the in-breath. I would hold it for whatever, three, four, five seconds. 
And then, um, uh, I, my, well, my way of doing it is I inhale the nose and I exhale the mouth. Now, other people might find it um, that, you know, they find their own method, but that's the way I do it. I breathe in my nose. I feel my tummy expand. I hold for five or six seconds, and then I breathe with a great kind of uh, uh, sort of relief out the mouth, and I make sure that my shoulders are sinking down as I breathe out. Now, that actually does work. And, yeah, and um, actually when you do it, and whenever we, even just now as you're talking about it, and, and I was I was doing it here quietly as, as you were talking away, you can feel your shoulders drop down. And if you get very tense and remember to do that breathing exercise, you'll notice straight away how tense your shoulders were until you allow them to relax. Absolutely. And it kind of shows us to just how, as we'll call it, uptight we were. Because I suppose the term uptight didn't fall out of the sky. Um, uh, usually uh, phrases that come into the vernacular uh, usually come from people notice something that's happening anyway. So being uptight would suggest the shoulders up around the ears, uh, kind of. Mm. And, um, and that means we're, we're anxious. And we can relieve that with a very, very simple um, physical uh, little exercise. Mm. Okay, listener says, has Joe noticed an increase in anxiety as a direct result of the pandemic? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. People both, who never suffered from it before? Mm. People who never suffered from it before? Absolutely. And people who did suffer from it, it has exacerbated it. Um, I find it myself. Um, I'm just that bit more anxious, a little bit more um, tetchy than I was, um, a little bit more, um, less patient about things, just a wee bit um, on edge. And um, uh, I, I'm not saying that I was ever a perfectly patient person. I was always from it. But um, yeah, it has exaggerated all those little traits. And I find that, um, you're, you know, um, uh, people are telling me, generally speaking, when I'm speaking with people there privately, that um, you're a little rouse uh, over things at home, for example, that would never, ever have caused any kind of a thing before. It's like, you know, um, did you forget to feed the dog um, uh, could cause um, uh, um, um, a real row that the occasion wouldn't really warrant. That, that kind of thing. It's almost like irri- it's it's like irritability. Is, Absolutely. Is, is that is that a type of anxiety? Do you think? Well, I think that irritability is as a direct result of um, of um, anxiety. That um, when we are anxious, we're um, we're quite likely to um, you know speak before thinking, um, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and and I think people generally, um, people listening um, right now today, um, when they reflect, um, would probably, um, quite a few anyway, would say, yeah, yeah, I find I'm just that bit more irritable. Sure, of course we are, because before we could, um, you know, we could go somewhere, we could go out for a meal at the weekend, we could um, we could go to the cinema without it being such a big deal. Um 
we could look forward um, to booking uh, a holiday and go ahead and book a holiday with um, with, with the, you know, probably quite sure that the holiday was going to take place. All of these things now have become areas of uncertainty. And I suppose uncertainty is very hard to sit with. Um, it's very hard to kind of um, accept uncertainty. Um, we all like to feel that we're in control to some degree of our lives and that um, and the things that we plan and things that we want to do, that that we can do them. Um, uh, and, and that has been uh, removed. Even though, as you said today, um, I believe you're waiting there for... Um, oh, well, it's, uh, it's, it's just started. We're going to leave it now, go to the news, because we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we'll end up leaving the news. Yeah, but people are all anxious to know yeah, what's yeah. going to what And, and going I can to tell hear. anyone who's got a wedding on Saturday, because I know of oh, people God, who've got weddings yeah. on Saturday, capacity limits on weddings and religious services are being lifted oh, from. So right. that'll be good news uh, for people. Oh, but good, somebody's, Robert, that's good Yeah, news. somebody's yeah. saying, hi, the, the, the breathing exercise that Joe has recommended for uptight shoulders, can you talk us through that again? And that's a nice way to wrap it up just go through the breathing exercise okay. that, that, now, that the you did I and we'll get everybody it, um, to do it yeah just breathe in the nose and as you breathe in the nose feel the tummy expand if you blew into a balloon it would expand so if you're breathing deeply to the tummy it will expand so breathe in the nose the tummy expands hold for maybe two three four five six seconds and then Exhale out the mouth with the shoulders coming down. It's as simple as that, but it's also effective. And then you do it a couple of times until you, oh, feel, yeah. until you feel yourself. Yeah. Isn't yeah, that absolutely. the key to it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not just a once-off and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Somebody else says, just to let Joe know, um, I went to the James Bond movie like Joe. I also was disappointed. I thought it was too violent. I didn't enjoy it. (laughs) Others loved it, by the way. Others loved it. Okay. Listen, have a lovely week. Enjoy your Halloween and And we'll talk to you you next Tuesday. Thanks for that, Joe. That's uh, Joe Heffernan. He runs a counselling practice in Bohabui. His number is 086-834-8145. That government press conference is still ongoing, so we'll hear all about it in news at uh, one o'clock. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Witcher for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.